Can you hear me now? Is that good? Okay. I asked Bob to let me go first in case I said something amiss and he could correct it later uh, in his part. <clears throat> I've also been uh, pretty sick this week, and this is my first time back at the church since Tuesday, I think. <laughs> so uh, I hope my voice will, will carry forth. Uh, this scripture today is from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then... One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. It is your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. God, we've come into this place to experience you, to worship you, to hear your voice speak to us. God, move in this place today in a mighty way that we might know that we have been in the presence of the Lord. And as we leave this place together, may that glow shine on our faces so that others might know that we have been to see you and that we've been in your presence. God, surely you go with us everywhere and we follow you. But as we gather here, there's something else that happens. And so we just uh, thank you for this moment and this time, this point in history that is unlike any other before or will be unlike any other following. God, we worship you in the fullness of your glory. For us in your son's most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. The theme for the day is authentic worship. And I'll lay this aside from the beginning. It is not a style. It is not a particular brand of music. It's not a particular anything. It's not a particular building. It's not a particular people. Worship takes place. Authentic worship takes place when we connect with our Creator. When we connect. When we connect with one with another and with our Creator. And when we speak with, our, with God and our words begin and our thoughts begin, God, I love you because. God, forgive me because. God, I need you because. And God speaks back to you, Philip, or in your name, 
I love you because. This is how I'm helping you because. I am here for you because. It is a one-on-one, first-person conversation. You know, God created us in, in a miraculous and unique way. We have five senses that we are mostly aware of <laughs> and uh, that we use every single day. And I believe that God created those senses to be able to be sensitive to Him uh, as well, uh, to hear Him, to see Him, to smell His essence, to taste of Him, to touch, to sense His touch. We worship God authentically when our senses are made sensitive to Him, when we are fully aware of His presence. I'd like you to try and experiment with, with me because when I close my eyes and I am reaching out to sense God, I cannot help but smile. And close your eyes for just a moment because I sense, for me, I sense the warmth of his presence. I sense him moving all about, moving in this room. Do you sense that? Can you feel something other that is not felt in any other place? You may open your eyes again. We worship him when our spirits connect and we are in one accord. Now, there have been scientifically proven physio- physiological changes that occur when we worship and we pray. Scientifically proven. They have mapped changes that take place in our brain when we pray. That change that are unlike any other change that takes place on any other activity. So something as different is happening. Our breathing becomes more steady. Our pulse becomes more steady. Other rhythms synchronize. And all these changes take place physiologically. So why should we think less of our spirit? Why should we think less of the most powerful spiritual being ever? That things should take place well, you might have had some experiences, and I'm going to explain uh, some of these in just a moment, uh, of this in your lifetime, in your worship, and in your other uh, uh, aspects of your Christian life. But when we connect uh, in our spirits one with another and one with God, I call that synchronicity of spirit. Have you ever wondered when you've come to worship and you've gathered in this room with other people, Uh, that you come away with a different feeling than if you were gathered, say, at work in a meeting with other people. It's a different feeling. There's something, even though you might be accomplishing great things in your work and and working hard together, there's something different that you can't put your finger on that you get, that you get, that you experience when you worship together with other people. And it's not numbers. It's not the amount of people in the room Think about when we gather together at, at Advent, both congregations worshiping together, and there's a, there's a feeling there that, that some keep described to us every year that, that it's, I, just, I just like that. I just like, and it's not the amount of people in the room uh, because I've talked to so many people. It's something other, something other. You look across the room and you see people and you connect because you're, 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 you're having a collective spiritual experience together and we connect in our spirits. You don't even have to speak to the person across the room. You might not be able to get to them by the end of worship, but you have connected somehow. It's something more that we cannot explain, 
but maybe we can. Synchronicity of spirit. To worship God in the fullness of his glory, we have to, in this, in this authenticity, we have to be ready and, and waiting and ready and willing. To understand this and to unleash its power, we must do the following things. Not necessarily these orders or these are, this is not a, a, a ritual, but these are things that uh, we, we must grasp if we want to unleash its full power. First, we must believe that this connectiveness, this synchronicity of spirit, is an intentional design by God. He wanted us to connect. He wanted his children to be in one accord. If we believe it, then we must expect it to take place. You know, we say a lot of things about our faith. You know, <clears throat> miracles and things happen. But we, how, many, how many of us really expect them, you know? That's, we read them about in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, those miracles that took place. But how many of us expect those, biblical, those miracles of biblical portions to happen today? We must expect them because God is the same God. He's all-powerful. He's never lost his power. He is there. He's living. He's breathing. He is all-powerful and all-loving to us today. So we must expect it. Believe it's intentional design by God. Expect it to take place and then practice it practice it. How do we practice it? Well, the, it starts by believing and expecting. And if we believe and expect, then we begin to sense things that we've not sensed before. Pastor Bob will speak about our spirits as we connect when we're not together in the same place. You may have had experiences where you've gone about your daily task and all of a sudden you've known something about someone else. You've felt something. You've sensed something about someone else. And you say, I need to call that person. That's synchronicity of spirit. And you call that person, you find out, oh, I'm so glad you called because I'm experiencing or this has happened or I'm celebrating this. It's not coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. It is a synchronicity of spirit that goes beyond our, our realm of time and our realm of the here and now. So we must believe it, expect it, and practice it. I'm sorry if this is making all kinds of noise. Um, <clears throat> I have been very fortunate over the years. I've been uh, at this church, uh, this is my 25th year, but I've been minist in ministry for 15 years prior to that, so this is my 40th year. But I've been fortunate in all those years uh, to have worshipped in all kinds of churches, and I mean all kinds of churches in the United States and in other cultures and lands. Um, I've been able to worship in Hong Kong, in South Korea, Mexico, Austria, Belgium, England, Italy, just to name some of the other countries. But in, in, in this country as well, from small underground churches, missions, to vast cathedrals and basilicas and all kinds of things in between, from extremely informal and charismatic, charismatic worship to extremely high church and ritualistic worship, when you've experienced a lot of those kinds of things, you truly get a sense, or at least you begin to get a, a sense, a glimpse of what God sees of the worldwide Christian church, of how people worship him and how they express their, their faith in worship of God in all those different cultures. And I've learned a lot of valuable lessons about how to focus and, and point and, and think and, and act and react uh, when I come in contact and in the presence of Almighty God. One, I'll just give, I'll leave you with one story. Uh, 
I was teaching music in South Korea for a semester while I was in seminary. And we traveled over the length of the whole country while we were there in that semester. And one thing I learned, this was back in the late 80s, 1980s, for those of you, uh, you who are counting. Um, and, <clears throat> and I don't know if Koreans still worship, as, worship in this way, but they did then. Whenever they entered the sanctuary, no matter what was going on, whether it was a, a social event or if they were in the middle of worship or people were just gathering, no matter what was going on, the very first thing that they did as an individual would hit their knees and bow in prayer to God. They would center first. They would give their heart and they would open themselves as a vessel to be filled by God so that in a few moments they stood up and they, they participated in whatever was going on. Uh, they were ready to worship. Ready to worship. And this, after, this one afternoon we were in a large church in Taejon, Korea. And it was a, a gathering of, of a youth choir. It was a youth choir festival. There were about four or 500 teenagers there. And the, the festival had already begun. The, the pews were just filled with teenagers. And we were singing and stuff. And I was off to one, this one side. And I noticed uh, another teenage boy came, came in about 30 minutes later. And he wiggled his way into the crowd, into the middle. And he dropped to his knees. Everyone else was standing and singing. But he dropped to his knees and he prayed right there, a teenager, in front of all the other teenagers. And he prayed, and he gave himself to God. He centered himself, and he let himself be open to God's presence and God's spirit moving in that place. And I thought, wow, <clears throat> what a testimony. I could learn from that. How can I be open to God and open in front of my peers, uh, especially as a teenager? You know the kinds of of things that teenagers will taunt one another with, but that was important. That was most important. Authentic worship. God requires, desires, wants one thing more than anything else. And we have a lot of, of church answers to that, but I'll submit you a different one today. The thing he desires most from each of us when we worship him as a collected body or whether we worship him as an individual is our attention. In this world of smartphones and, and so many things that pull our attention, it's so easy for us to come in here with that attitude and within seconds focus on something else or think about something else or did I turn that burner off on the stove or did, did I, you know, so many things distract us God desires more than anything our attention. And then from that point, things begin to change. Authentic worship, we connect with him and with one another with a synchronicity of spirit, and we give him our attention. Thank you, Philip, for helping us to um, have that last, that last nugget that God desires our attention. So many, so many things clamor for our attention in this world. And I'm thankful that when we gather here in this place, that together we can draw strength from each other 
as we seek to give God our attention as we leave and go back out into the world. If you're taking notes, there is a synchronicity when God's people gather together. I wanted to pull from what Philip said today that when, whether we are physically together as God's people or whether we are apart, there is a synchronicity when we worship together. Something happens. And I'm so thankful to hear how God has given you, Philip, the opportunity to worship in many places around the world. And whether it is in Korea or whether it's in China or Southeast Asia or Africa or South America or, the, or North America, uh, wherever, wherever Christians are gathered, there is a synchronicity in spirit. Paul writes, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So we are part of the greater body of Christ and then each one of us is a part of that and we need each other. We need each other as we go through this life together. In today's Richmond Times Dispatch, in the inside of the B section, there's an article, Faith and Values article, Corporate Worship Helps You Get What You Will Need in Life. And you should read the whole, I won't read the whole thing, but go online or go to your newspaper. But in the last part of the article, the, the writer says, taking a lifelong walk with God is nearly impossible to accomplish on your own. God showed up to me this morning in the Times Dispatch. <laughs> I love how he works. There's no coincidence. One of our Sunday school teachers emailed me yesterday about something that happened in her Sunday school class last week. And um, we, were, we emailed back and forth. There's no coincidence with the Holy Spirit. We call them God incidents. God incidents. And he says, taking a lifelong, this writer Lifelong walk with God is nearly impossible to accomplish on your own. Attending organized worship services helps you acquire the knowledge and wisdom you will need on this journey. You will also find others with the same challenges you're facing. And support becomes a two-way street. How many times have you been in church or in uh, the hallways as you're going to your classes or in a Sunday school or small group? And you meet somebody or hear somebody who has the same issue that you have. Or maybe they've been through it. More importantly, he says, your growing faith becomes the anchor you were seeking. For anyone who has ever participated in a team sport, male or female, there has always been the inevitable practices and drills to hone skills that will be needed at game time. Not exiting, not exciting or fun, but absolutely necessary. You and I, we, we face all sorts of stuff throughout the week. And we, we might say that worship, as we are gathered together, is a way that we can face game time throughout the week. That we have the strength and the wisdom and the help through the Holy Spirit and through God's people to navigate the challenges that we face day in and day out. When we are together, there is a synchronicity in spirit, but when we are apart, there is still a synchronicity in spirit. We are still a part of the body of Christ. 
So as you saw in the video, all kinds of places we go, we are with God and we are also with one another in spirit. Whether at work or at school or at home or on a retreat or at a ball game or with friends or mowing the lawn or washing the dishes or raking leaves or out running or working out at the gym or having coffee, or watching TV, or having a quiet time. We are part of the body of Christ, and there's a synchronicity in spirit, whether we are together or apart physically. It's sort of like sweet tea. You can't take the sweet out of the sweet tea. Try it. You can't do it. Once you dissolve the sugar in the warm tea, you can't take the sweet out of the tea can't take the Christ out of the Christian. You can't take the, the, the together out of the believer. That's powerful. The message, the passage that Philip read to us from the prophet Isaiah uh, is from a personal experience that he had that has enabled us to have a pattern of worship. Some things that we do even to this day that come right from Isaiah. He lived, you know, It was like 740-some-odd B.C. when his experience uh, is, is taking place. And he's there having a vision of the heavenly temple. And it is through this vision in the heavenly temple that God speaks to him. And he's able to respond to the voice of God. And he says, here am I, send me. And then he begins his mission for God. It was during this vision of heavenly worship that Isaiah had his altar experience at the altar of God. It's not unlike that the Apostle Paul had that you read of in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 or John had on the island of Patmos as we see that in Revelation 1 and then later on in chapter 22. He says, if you, if you have your Bible with you, In verse, in verse 5, woe to me. He's in the presence of the holy. And he says, woe to me. I, I'm ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. He's acknowledging his sinfulness there. I, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Meaning the people around him are also in the same circumstance. And then he says, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So I've been in the presence of the holy and I, have, uh, and I just feel so unworthy because I'm a man of unclean lips. Then in verse 6, one of the seraphim, these angelic beings, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Remember that part. From the altar, with it, verse 7, with it touched my mouth, And said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And you remember last Sunday, we learned that there are two altars in both the tabernacle, which was the tent that the people worshipped in throughout the wilderness experience, and then later in the temple. The first altar was the brazen altar or the altar of burnt offering where the sacrifice was offered to God. And then the second one was the altar of incense, which was in the holy place, right outside of the curtain of the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. Well, this scripture, this image that we have where Isaiah has experienced the, the seraphim 
taking a live coal from the altar and touching his lips with it. This is this vision that he has. The live coal would have been taken from the coals from the altar of burnt offering. And once a year, the high priest would take some of the coals from the altar of burnt offering outside in the courtyard of the temple and then once a year would go beyond the curtain on behalf of all of the people and would mix the coals with the incense and the smoke would rise up symbolizing our prayers to God and the uh, intercession on behalf of the people by the priest would make atonement and the people would have forgiveness of their sins. Once a year, atoning on behalf of all. And so this vision that Isaiah has directly ties into what we've experienced as we have studied altars in the Bible. And it is this image of the seraphim, this angelic being, uh, coming to him with a live coal from the very offering that was offered for the forgiveness of sins and touched his lips. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and gave him forgiveness. And then the scripture says, your sins are atoned for. You are made right with God. And it was at that point that Isaiah was at a place where he could hear the voice of God. And he said, here am I, send me. And so the pattern that happened in this whole passage was, how, uh, was something that we can look to to understand authentic worship uh, corporately and individually. And there's some notes that you can take. I just want to share these um, uh, elements of worship that Isaiah helps us to see. In the life application part of your notes, Isaiah's experience at the altar provides an authentic worship guide for God's people. We can practice these on our own, and we also practice them on a regular basis here at church. The first one is we praise and exalt the name of our God. We lift our hands, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We praise Him. And then the next movement is when we feel unworthy in the presence of God, as did Isaiah, we are led to confession. Sometimes I come to church and I am led by the Holy Spirit in, in my prayers to confess my sins. I am convicted by the Holy Spirit. I am led to confession. God, please forgive me. Woe, I am, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I need forgiveness. And third, um, that, that which we experience, we receive grace and forgiveness from God. Isaiah received it in his vision. And then it led him to respond. We receive forgiveness. God promises that when we confess our sins, we will receive forgiveness. And fourth, when the clutter of guilt and sin is removed, we are then able to hear God's call. The, the, the clamoring of all of the things uh, that want our attention, that distract us from hearing God's voice, uh, when those are removed, we are then able to hear God speak and we can move into that response of what He wants us to do. In verse, I mean, in number five, authentic worship moves us to respond to God's call. Here I am, send me. 
And I don't know what that call is on your life, but I do believe that authentic worship on a consistent basis over time as God's people, worshiping not only corporately but individually, helps us to hear more clearly the voice of God and helps us to know how we are supposed to follow Him or respond to His call. That's what I call grace. The grace of God allows us to hear God in the here and now. We are able to follow God tomorrow when we receive grace today. We call it living on earth as it is in heaven. Experiencing the grace of God that we can live out His calling on our life wherever we are. We are called to bring a little heaven to earth on earth as it is in heaven. Fred Craddock has a wonderful story that helps us to see this lived out. What it means to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, as Paul writes in Romans 12. Some years ago, Dr. Fred Craddock, his, his books and sermons and, and stories have influenced many of it. He was speaking to a group of pastors, and he said this, To give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour my life out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. And then he says, we think of giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality is, for most of us, that he sends us to the bank with $1,000 and asks the teller to cash the $1,000 into increments of quarters. And then we go through life putting 25 cents here, 50 cents there. Listening to the kids' troubles from the family next door instead of saying, get lost or scram or going to a committee meeting at church, or giving a cup of water to a sick old man in a nursing home. 25 cents here, 50 cents there. And then Craddock says, usually giving our life to Christ is not glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. I believe this is what authentic worship is all about. Being connected to the larger body of Christ. Understanding that there is a synchronicity when we are together that also influences us and empowers us when we are apart. This is what it means to live on earth as it is in heaven. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Amen. Join me as we pray. Thank you, God, for creating